Joining the chorus, it's time for another North Melbourne Footy Club update with Dean Vasic and special guests on Hashtag Kangaroos. Hi, this is Ben Mackay from the North Melbourne Footy Club and you're listening to another episode of the Hashtag Kangaroos podcast. Here is your host, Dean. Thank you, Ben Mackay. Welcome to another episode. My name is Dean Vasic. You can find me on Twitter at Hashtag Kangas or on Instagram at Hashtag Kangaroos Podcast. So tonight is my fourth episode of the week. Hopefully you aren't sick of my voice yet, but I welcome back North Melbourne legend Troy Makepeace to the podcast. We talked about Good Friday, about the Good Friday game and how he thinks the club is shaping up so far. I also want to go in depth about the travel factor plays go through as well. Speaking from his experiences from travelling all the way from WA and how the preparation was uh, the following week, I probably should have asked him, um, when we were leading into the Hawthorne game and maybe the effects of that, but it's better late than never. Anyways, let's not waste time and bring on Troy Makepeace right now. All right, I'm joined once again by North Melbourne legend Troy Makepeace. Troy, may as well start with the news the last couple of days. Now, I'm not sure what your experiences were back in the day uh, when you were playing, when players were out of line, but uh, what do you make of the whole Taron Thomas situation? Yeah, g'day, Dean. Thanks for having me again, mate. Yeah, look... Um... I mean, it's going to, I'm going to show me age here, but uh, social media wasn't as prominent, uh, certainly back then, as, as what it is now. And, um, yeah, look, uh, no doubt there was, you know, guys in all eras that sort of played up a little bit um, beyond what they should at professional level and, uh, and stepped out of line and, and sort of a lot of things really got swept under the carpet or not even spoken about because it wasn't out there in the public forum. So, um yeah, that's obviously what Taryn and, and a few others are, are going through at the moment. Um, yeah, to be honest, mate, initially I was thinking, you know, this is probably looking pretty bad for Taryn in terms of um, continuing playing, certainly for, for the footy club. And then I, I read and saw um, quite an interesting interview brief with um, Eddie Maguire recently um, on on the TV and... Um, and then it just got me thinking about what potentially could be good for Taryn is back in that environment and be under the under the um, the tutelage of, of obviously Alistair Clarkson, uh, Ben Cunnington, Jack Siebel, Jai Simpkin, McDonald, and all those sorts of guys, and, and really under their direct focus to be able to sort of help him along the way. Um, because I think yeah, he mentioned you know about being out. Um, you know, dealing with this, or not not so much by himself. You know, from what from Taron's own admission, he's getting a lot of help from the footy club. Um, but still, he's away from the club, away from the players, away from his teammate, and helping him to to deal with these things. So, yeah, I really think uh, direct, almost like direct supervision, I guess, um, and direct instruction and and leadership uh, can certainly benefit. Taron, um, you know, you look at his actions, and, and it's you know certainly not not good viewing. Uh, it's not good to see if that was a recent post and a recent action. You know, driving in in the manner that he was, um, that's not good in any situation, regardless of whether he's a footballer or not. So, um, yeah, that, that's not ideal. Um, and I think maybe being under that direct supervision of, of leaders around the club. Uh, in that in that team environment where they can um, have a more close close eye on him might, might be beneficial um, 
it's a hard one, isn't it? Because you know they've got a duty of, I guess, being in in the public forum. You know, you lead by example and do the right things. And obviously, you know, his his actions in the in the past sort of six to twelve months haven't been ideal, uh, from a lifestyle point of view. Um, and then it's obviously uh, affecting his football. But I think the the lifestyle side of things needs to take precedence and getting him right um, in, in his own lifestyle, getting his right in his own mindset um, and dealing with those things in there. And then footy can, can come second or third to that. Exactly right. Uh, yeah, no, uh, you're the same age as me, just to let you know. So, yeah, don't, don't <laughs> no, no, no shame in that. Um, yeah, and like you said, uh, 20 odd years ago when you were playing, um, yeah, there wasn't, there really was no social media. I think it was just MySpace might have been just coming through around then or something like that. And uh, yeah, like this day and age, I think they they understand that every action they do is it can go out to you know the public. So they have to be careful what they do. Um, yeah, look, it seems like Clark, Clark is keen for him to get back into a football environment. He obviously thinks it will help him, um, and you got it back. Um, those sorts of people. My concern is, Troy, that he showed no remorse for driving with his, with his feet up on the dashboard. No public apology. And the only thing he seemed sorry for was he made a mis- uh, made uh, the mistake and was supposed to only send the message to one person as opposed to 10. Um, yeah. I would have liked him to say, yeah, it was a stupid immature act. I understand how serious it was. No way it happened again. Or something to that degree. Um, there's a lot of players waiting out there for an opportunity to play AFL football. Who would love to be in his shoes, and he can't take it for granted anymore because he's run out of chances. Isn't is that fair? Uh, that's absolutely fair. Yeah, um, yeah. You said it yourself. The only thing he did wrong, I guess, is got caught, isn't it? Um, he's not remorseful for the for the action itself, and sort of you know along the lines of uh, what I was saying earlier is that you know, whether he's football or not, those sorts of actions aren't aren't um, you know very good. From anyone, really, um, it's not something I would want my kids to look at and, and do. Uh, you know, especially their age coming through now, driving and, and things like that, and then potentially seeing an, an elite AFL footballer doing those things in social media and thinking that's funny or whatever. Um, but you know, I, I won't want my kids to be looking at that. Going, that'll be a pretty good trick to try, and I might do that. And is that is that sort of make sense? Like. Um, yeah, 100%. I'm a father more, too. It's more than football, like, yeah. Yeah, I'm a father as well, um, like yourself. And your kids are sort of at that age where they're going to get the licenses and so forth. And if you see them doing an act like that, you know, I mean, you'd be giving them a clip around the ears, really. So, <laughs> yeah, no, you know, I mean, he's, he's got to be the example. These these players, whether they like it or not, they're role models for younger kids and younger generations coming through. And he's got to start uh, showing that uh, he can't set the example. It has happened before. Um, Jordan Dugowie is a good example. Um, I think Alistair Clarkson mentioned to, to, today in his uh, media press conference that uh, he's been able to turn it around. So we certainly hope he can turn it around. But um, a lot of people have gone off him and uh, have even called for him. Um, they don't want to see him uh, play anymore. Is that a bit too harsh? I mean, I had Siobhan Rowe on yesterday and she doesn't want nothing to do with him, which is fair enough. She's got her reasons and her opinion. But, um, yeah, is that a bit harsh? Probably looking at uh, we don't really want him at the club anymore. No, I don't think it's harsh at all to, for for people to think that. Um, you know, everyone's got their own experiences and 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 views on on things. And um, you know, absolutely, Siobhan believes that. I hundred percent, you know, support that theory as as well. Um, you know, um, there might be things that have happened in 
other people's lives that are affected in, in different ways or other people have different views. And I, I certainly was very concerned about seeing footage. Um, you know, I agree with you before about how many chances it's a lot. Initially, when I heard the news come out and then saw the footage, I and um, I agree with Siobhan, uh, uh, part of the club. Um, and then it, it took another, another person that's been through a similar situation. You spoke about Jordan Degoe, and that's why I mentioned uh, Eddie Maguire, someone that's been through from the other side of it um, and how they had dealt with it uh, or dealing with it, I, I dare say, still going through those issues, but how Jordan Degoe has come through at this stage, um, the other side of it, um, a much better person first and foremost, and then um, you know his his footy can can uh, do what it's been doing over the last last few months, where he's not having to worry about those outside influences now, because hopefully he's got um, on on the right side of those. So um, that's where I look at Eddie Maguire's comments and, and take a lot of information from that and think, okay, this could potentially be as Absolutely, I think it'll be his last chance if he does come back to the club under these scenarios. Um, but at least this way we can look at it and go, well, the club's done everything possible. We've sent him away. We've brought him back. We've done this. We've done that. We've left no stone unturned. He's still not able to um, you know, adhere to the standards um, set uh, from a footballer's point of view and from a lifestyle point of view. Then at least the club can say, well, we've tried and then can lead him into other avenues now not involved in from a football. I still think there's a, a duty of care there to help him from a lifestyle uh, and mindset um, point of view going forward if it doesn't side of things. Yeah, pretty, pretty well said there, Troy. No, very, very uh, well summed up uh, to end it all. And we'll move forward. Um, we'll go to Good Friday, Troy. Now, great crowd, yep. and we're graced by your presence as well, 49,000. <laughs> Uh, best crowd at Marvel since 2013, and atmosphere was probably the best I've heard in a long time uh, at a at a North Melbourne football game. Would you agree with that? I thought it was. Yeah, I'm going to be a little bit biased, and I was sitting with the predominantly North Melbourne crowd in the area that I was sitting, and um, you know, I even said to one of my kids at one stage, "Ask me, or does it sound like every time North kicks a goal or something, is uh, a lot." bigger cheer and and crowd support for compared to when any time Carlton kicked a goal because it certainly sounded that case. Uh, and then obviously you read other other people said, you know, they hardly noticed North supporters and things like that. But I I certainly had a feeling at least 50-50 from my point of view, but um, other people might have a, have a different view. But yeah, I thought it was fantastic. And, you know, if I, I contributed um, eight people to that crowd, so I was happy with that. And um, a few other friends and family in that there as well. So yeah, I thought it was fantastic, and right. just people uh, support clubs and and the appeal, but um, particularly the North supporters that showed up. Uh, as we know that you know we don't get marquee games, and and for this, there's a lot of question marks over um, North holding on to this particular slot uh, for a marquee game, and I thought we um, answered that very, very well from a crowd point of view. And, you know, uh, we can turn up, support the club, then, you know, it goes a long way with um, potentially how the club can, can fare on the footy. 
Yeah, I mean, surely it's uh, Carlton and North uh, for future Good Fridays now. That's it. There's no no change in teams going back to the Bulldogs or anything like that, surely, now. You'd certainly look at Yeah, I think the crowd numbers um, particularly showed that. And then, obviously, the the style of play they're playing at the is certainly um, ticking along very, very nicely. So I think there's real potential um, on the out. Uh, some really cracking games um, in the in the future going forward. Five or eight years. Yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, and uh, they raised a lot of money for Good Friday as well. Uh, I did see the club put out a uh, tweet today uh, saying the exact funds. I don't have it in front of me, but um, apparently it was a huge success. Uh, what did you make of the game itself? Uh, good first half, but once it opened up um, in the second half, we really struggled in that third quarter in particular. I think... For, for me personally, what's really stood out um, is two particular um, styles or, or um, what, what's the word, like sort of styles of how we're playing um, and sort of team values of, of what's expected um, on any given day from any, any particular person. Two things have really stood out for me and one's, one's definitely the, the pressure right across the full ground uh, defensive pressure when the opposition have the ball, that willingness to fight and get the ball back or at least put the opposition under pressure and make it hard for them to going inside 50. Uh, and that sort of typified the way we played as well. Like our, our pressure in the first half was fantastic. We really limited the opportunities going forward for Carlton. We knew we had, were up against against it with the two um, key forwards that Carlton have and, and the two that we two key defenders we had out. So that... Um, uh, Crucial, I think it went a long way. We're in mid start on top. That um, helped their, their forward structure. So, and, and the other thing I like about um, when we have our hands on the footy is uh, we're not just blazing away, we're linking up, we're hitting 45 degree passes, uh, a lot of run and carry, where willingness to take on the corridor. Uh, um, it, and then those two things are not visible or, or not at the level that we need to, to be to sustain that for four quarters, then we certainly see a bit of a drop-off, in my opinion. So that's where it sort of fell away in that third quarter. And then, um, you know, we had the, the potential there for the game to be a real blowout, um, you know, to kick three or four goals in the last eight or so minutes was, was a credit to the boys and fight it out and um, make the score look a bit more respectable, uh, particularly how the game was. It wouldn't have sort of typified the, the game if it was a blowout in the end. Yeah, I mean, there's plenty of positives out of the game as well. You know, I mean, our, our, you know, inaccuracy in front of goal uh, hurt us a little bit. If we converted a few more chances, uh, got a bit more luck um, with the umpiring. Uh, we don't have much luck there, did we, uh, Troy, with the umpiring? Yeah, and, you know, I, I, I've sort of tried not to get involved in any banter on... Um, social media in regards to the uh, I mean I've been in the game a, a long time and I know uh, you get as good as what you, you get think and um, we're going to get some along the way that are going to go in our favour and um, I guess the things that hurt us the most in, in that particular game was where they were getting their free kicks not so much the free kicks that were given um, it just seemed to be a lot of free kicks in you know in that sort of 30 metre range uh, inside, getting similar sort of free kicks potentially. 
um, you know, but sort of in the middle of the ground where you don't have that opportunity to have a set shot from directly in front of goal. So, you know, I don't want to sound like sour grapes and I know a lot of people have argued and what social media and, and I respect their argument. Um, I certainly felt that during the game, particularly in the third quarter. Um, but yeah, you just got to, got to brush it off and, and move on and understand you keep putting yourselves in the right position. You're going to get some of those coming your way in the end. And, and we just deal with that when that opportunity comes. Yeah. I mean, free kick count was uh, similar, but uh, like you said, uh, it's where the free kicks were happening. that uh, really hurt us. They were happening a lot inside the 450. And, you know, um, I think it might've been seven goals from free kicks Carlton got. So yeah, it doesn't, doesn't help, especially when you're um, a bit depleted in your defensive half. Uh, and you're going against, uh, you know, a two-pronged attack, probably the best two-pronged attack in the competition at the moment. Uh, it's making it really tough. Now, I was meant to ask you this a couple of weeks ago. As a former player, um, you travelled back from Perth a few times in your career. Do you remember much uh, about how recovery was? Like, let's say you played Saturday night or, or Saturday. What would you do recovery in the morning, the following day, then fly back home? And how is your preparation different through the week was it a lot lighter on uh, on a track during the week or any days off in particular um standard was if we played a day game interstate we generally flew back that night and then we'd do recovery the next day in melbourne um if we played a night game day that night and then we would still do a recovery in the morning whether it was at the hotel you know had pools or um, an area where we could do some stretching or we went, you know, uh, for a, generally went for a walk outside the hotel and then come back and might do a, a quick recovery, you know, some leg leg work or something in the pool uh, as recovery before we got on a plane and flew back home and then we'd do our, ge- our general recovery during the week. Um, in terms of during the week, I, from memory, I think it was a little bit lighter um, on the track. Um, the main session, yeah, probably not as not as intense, just to lighten the load. Um, days off were generally the same. Um, we normally had um, a day off from memory was two days before a game. We'd have like sort of that captain captain's run before a game, where it was just pretty light and our own pace. So yeah, nothing in terms of time too much. It was more yeah the intensity was probably backed off a fraction um, after an interstate game. Do, do you think it uh, it affected your performance the following week from a big travel or was it, um, or, or you didn't think about it too much? No, I could honestly say I didn't think about it too much, mate. We just, you know, the next game that was coming up and, and that as it comes. So, yeah, I, I'm, I mean, maybe it's just sort of caught up at the moment. I was just playing and enjoying, the, enjoying where I was at and enjoying the moment I was in. Notice of so, yeah, potentially um taking taking its toll, but yeah, I, I didn't notice it uh, from a point of view at at the time. Yeah, no, fair enough. I mean, yeah, it, it is hard to say because, yeah, we were just thinking about the Hawthorne game where we did uh, fall short that maybe the travel of the first couple of rounds and playing hot uh, weather might have affected us, but uh, not too sure. Uh, everyone's different, I guess. So, in um, saying that, four rounds in, we're going pretty well, two and two. Um, I'll probably would have taken at the start of the year. Now, outside the obvious of Jeezel, LDU, and Zerha, which players have pleasantly surprised you outside of those three? Um, I reckon it's pretty hard to go 
people that um, stick across half back, um, sort of revitalised himself and 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 sort of really flourished under the under the um, leadership of of Clarkson and and the direction that he's looking at and his team forward. So I really love the way he's at this game, and um, I think he really leads by example. As we, as we know, you know, us supporters have been. Uh, the last or his career pretty much um, we know what he's capable of and um, he's been fantastic so I really love the way he's gone about and I think he's sort of flown under the radar a little bit what he's brought to the to the yeah, no, that's a really good run. A lot of people have mentioned that. I, you know, I'm talking to Marnie Cohen and Siobhan Rowe, they're, they're, they're very happy with the way he's going. 89% disposal efficiency as well. He's very much been a general in that uh, back six and uh, using the ball particularly well this year. I think and it's hopefully also, also the other things. Sorry to cut you off there, mate. No. The, his ability to get back and, and put on a really fierce spoil and, and stop an opposition team going forward. I think uh, particularly over the first four rounds, there's been um, during games where, you know, you see him throwing himself at the 40 and it's just like, that's just fantastic watching him lead by example in that way. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, I mean, he is at a dangerous age in his career, out of contract, 32 years old. But, um, yeah, and, you know, uh, relinquished the captaincy. But um, he's certainly playing a role for the team. And, um, yeah, he's certainly stamped himself in that back six. And, yeah, I'll, I'll, at the start of the year, I'll, I'll happily admit that uh, I thought he was on the fringes of getting a game. Um, but, um, yeah, he's, he's definitely uh, probably one of the first picked at the moment. Uh, I want to talk to you about a few players. Now, Charlie Combin... Uh, has had some good games and poor ones, uh, which we expect uh, for a young kid. My question for you is if he starts to play a couple more bad games, does keeping him in the side affect his confidence more and belief as well? And does it do more harm than good rather than going back you know, um, to the seconds and getting more of the ball and playing against less defenders and building his confidence back up and his belief? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, it's a, it's a tough one because... Yeah, you know, do you throw him back? And what happens if you throw him back and then he struggles um, at that level as well? You know, it does even more detriment to his to his confidence. So there does I I do believe there needs to be patience in in seeing um, waiting for him to to you know marks and kick those goals that we want him to. Uh, there's obviously that comes with as well. Um, you saw him clunk a few. Hawthorne and then you know he come up against some you know a couple of good defenders on, on Good Friday um, had his chances I think he didn't take those opportunities um, didn't have those chances uh, you know to kick those goals where it really probably should have been an opportunity for for Charlie particularly after like knock to to take the game by the scruff of the neck and go, okay, I'm, you know, we've got a man down or injured. Um, you know, that was an opportunity for him to stand up and, and um, yeah, missed an opportunity there. But, you know, like for career, um, you know, particularly big men um, do uh, from history uh, take a little bit longer to, to develop. Give him a little bit of leeway there. Um, but yeah, I think obviously it's going to come that time where if um, Coleman Jones start to play, puts together some good games in the reserves and puts that pressure on a player like Charlie Combin to to stand up and 
and take those opportunities because if he starts to not take those opportunities, when Jones starts putting some pressure on, there will certainly be uh, for him to come in and, and take those chances, which... Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, Callum Coleman Jones coming back does put a little bit of pressure on him. Uh, that's for sure. So yeah, no, it's 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 a, it's a really fine balance, isn't it? Trying to you know, um, yeah, find uh, you know, you obviously want to uh, keep his belief up. Um, and especially for a young lad that's had his injury history and and his confidence, but uh, you don't want him to lose too much uh, forms where he you know he, he looks a shell of himself out there. So it's just trying to get that balance right. And you've you got to back the coaches and what they see during the week and the communication he gives to the coaches as well. Now, Paul Curtis, who has been dropped this evening, uh, obviously it's been a disappointing uh, start to the year for him. What do you think he needs to work on to find form once again? Yeah, um, that, I haven't actually looked at the team, so I wasn't <laughs> oh, aware of that. Um, yeah, a little bit surprising, to be honest. Um, what does he need to work on? Oh, we know he's got some serious talent, um, Paul Curtis, and um, you know, what can he work on? You know, uh, I'll, tell you, I'll tell you one thing. Um, his defensive um, efforts have probably dropped off a bit this year. Last year, he was getting, uh, like his last five or six games, he was getting tackles you know, around the four to six mark, whereas this year, it's probably been, most games, it's been between zero and two. So that's probably one area he probably uh, needs to work on. And if you work on the defensive stuff, what generally happens is the offense will come with it. What do you think about that? Is, is, that, uh, is that a fair um, thing? That's, that's a... Fantastic summary, mate. Um, it's yeah, obviously I haven't seen those stats, and that's a glaring one. Now on it, sense that if you're not getting your hands on the footy, um, one thing you can be doing is putting some on tackling. Particularly, I think that I I think it's a uh, a style that Clarkson's brought in in that we need that high press, that um, full ground pressure, you know doing some hard work up the ground to make it easier for our defenders. And I guess if you're not putting that forward 50 pressure on, we're getting the ball in there a, a bit more this year than what we were last year. So there's opportunities there. So, yeah, look, similar to Combin, I guess, um, you know, do you, do you put him back and and get him to find some form? I think his particular position, uh, there's more opportunity for that for him. Um, you know, you can even throw him on ball, um, you know, for periods in the in the reserves as well. Um, yeah, surprising one, but I, I I see the value in it as well. So yeah, we'll see how it works out. Um, uh, I guess I <laughs> put you on the spot. What are, what are the ins uh, and who are the outs? Uh, I was going to go to that a bit later, but I'll go to it now. Yep. So uh, so Logan Mackay are the only two ins at this stage, and out of the team go Aiden Bonner and Paul Curtis. With Hugh Greenwood, uh, the sub last week, uh, back to emergency as well. So you're obviously surprised by, um, yeah, the Paul Curtis one uh, in particular. Yeah, um, yeah, you get the two guys back in defence, and you look at who who's going to for them. I think Bob was was an obvious one, and then it come down to who that second one was going to be. Um, and you know, I think we might a couple of weeks ago when. Previously, about you know, guys that are coming in or going out, guys that are coming in have got a, a value uh, to the team. Not not so much just because they're, they're in form or might be a better play, better player, but they've got to be uh, 
bringing something to the team that whoever's going out isn't. And uh, and I guess you know those two coming in, uh, like I said, Bond and yeah, Curtis. I understand. I think the two coming in do add value to potentially what what Curtis can't uh, do at this stage. Um, yeah, and, and you could argue there's there's some others there. Um, there's, there's I guess what we can call it. Board, um, you look at uh, Stevenson's been pretty good the last few years. Um, maybe um, has he done enough to hold? I think has been. Yeah, so you look at who's then. Yeah, um, yeah interesting. I'll, I'll, I don't mind it. Um, I don't think it's really bad. I think it strengthens us. Um, holds us in good stead for, for a game, tough game against the Lions. Yeah, 100%. We'll go to that soon anyway. Just a couple more players. Uh, ben Cunnington got subbed off last week and the coaches publicly come out and stated that he wasn't having a great game, Troy. Uh, he's been through a lot the last couple of years uh, and there's no way uh, we're going to write him off just yet. But some people are calling for him to maybe be a sub or go back to the twos. How have you seen him so far this season um, when you have watched him? I think he's been good. He provides that um, foil, I guess. Yeah, the likes of Simkin and to to do their their middle. Um, and then, you know, if those guys are sort of struggling a little bit, I, I dare say Cunnington more often than not is going to stand up and 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 fly the flag. I think something like this happening. Um, is I think a good thing. Just talking about how um, I think uh, potential like that to Ben Cunningham out is a sign, not only to anyone in the team that you know you, you need to play your role. Um, and I believe um, the stat or the comment may have been um, you know he's there to, to win clearances and he didn't have any to his name no, at that particular time. Is that correct? Yeah, no, he, he didn't have one. So sorry to cut you off, but yeah. No, no, that's I just, um, I just sort of needed, I guess. But yeah, yeah. Um, yeah look, and we know, you know, um, lifelong supporters of the footy, Ben Cunnington's strengths is, and he's one of his main ones is his strength in the contest, and uh, very surprising to not have a clearance um, throughout the game. Um, but prior to being subbed off, so yeah, okay, been set, um, and and something you'd like to think held throughout the course of the year that you don't play your role and don't do what you you're there to to do, then um, you know we'll put someone in there that's going to be able to do that. And I think Hugh came in and and did a really good job in the time he was on the ground, and um, look to to this week, and if someone's not and, and doing that for the team, um, you'd like to think that the same thing will happen regardless of when they wait, then we'll put someone in that can. Yeah, couldn't agree more. Yeah, no, look, and uh, yeah, he's just had a, had a bit of an off game, and that happens sometimes. Uh, you can't always be um, having great games like Harry Sheasel every week. So, yeah, no, it's just the way it is. Uh, can you, the last can just, from... I'll just jump in. Yeah. Sorry, mate. Can you imagine being a Brisbane player this week after Ben Cunnington's come out and been publicly um, told by his coach that, you know, you didn't pull your weight in a game. And I think he'd be 
he'd be one to watch for have a massive turnaround this week. And I'd be um, pretty concerned um, being a Brisbane midfielder lining up for that first centre. And seeing a very different Ben Cunnington this week. Oh, I think you'll, yeah, I think you'll have a bounce back game as well. I think you'll, um, yeah, uh, uh, yeah, play really well. Um, and he's, yeah, he'll, he'll match up well against, uh, yeah. And uh, with now there's a prediction of 25 mils of rain, so that might suit him even more uh, in that wet weather. So, because he loves the, yeah, the tough stuff. But uh, before I go to, uh, to the Brisbane game, uh, last veteran I want to talk about is Todd Goldstein. Coming up to game 300 next weekend, a club legend. Uh, how do you see his future? Is it too early to say whether this will be his last year? I guess why I ask is because he was out of the round one team because of the selection of Sherry. Uh, maybe we do have one eye for the future in Sherry, which is fair enough. Uh, Todd Goldstein's 34, almost 35. Um, yeah, what, what do you think? Like, uh, if he if keeps – like, I think his form's been quite solid. Uh, if he keeps going like this, do you think he'll get another year? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. In, in this form that he's in now, the year, you know, um, particularly if, if Sherry really fires up, um, you know, I think it was disappointing to see Sherry go down in that in that first game because I, I think he can be really good for us. I love his intensity at the ball. Um, and we are to develop another Ruckman. Um, we can't have Goldstein forever. So we do need to have someone coming through. And, and I think the form that Goldstein's in, I believe, warrants that. Um, next year or another year on his contract as a really solid backup if that's what he wants to do obviously a really solid backup for for sherry going forward um uh, i think it's going to be fantastic for him to reach his 300th next week and um yeah we'll see how that pans out obviously a long season and and still a lot, lot of water to go under the bridge yet but um yeah if that's what he wants to do i think at this stage i think it does warrant another year yet yeah, I, I think so too. Um, yeah, no, it wouldn't, uh, wouldn't surprise me if he does go another year and gets to age 36. Um, now, we might as well, uh, we've talked about uh, team selection this week. Um, how can we beat the Lions this week, Troy? Now, up to 25 mils of rain predicted, which might make it very interesting. Um, we do have uh, Logan Mackay back for their big uh, forwards, um, Hipwood, Danaher and uh, Jack Gunston. So... Yeah, uh, if it rains, it doesn't really matter at the end of the day. But um, how do you see this one playing out? I think you look at the series, I guess, between uh, Brisbane and, and Carlton in the sense of two really key and potentially dominant um, forwards targets. And I thought we really handled that well in the first half last week. And it came down to um, really high pressing uh, forwards and putting the pressure on and midfielders getting their hands on the footy first. So first and foremost, I think that'll be a key. Um, not only limit forwards get, also you're not going to stop every single forward 50 entry from opposition. So it comes down to how effective that forward 50 entry can be. So if we're putting pressure on right throughout the ground, not only minimising the amount of times it goes in there, but the times it does go scrappy and it's, it's high and it allows defence to work together, um, that's going to be key. Um, if it does rain, um, come down to who wants the, the most in the, in the midfield. And I think both mid both midfield groups um, are highly, highly talented. And it's going to be really good to challenge ourselves against quality midfield uh, this week. Um, you know, they're fantastic, the Brisbane Lions in the middle. And um, I think we can really match it with them. 
capacity and, and our attack on the footy. So it's going to be fantastic to see. If we can match them in that area, I think it's going to go a, a long way to having a really good result. Well, I think we're so far, midfield has been quite strong uh, so far this season. I think we're fourth in clearances. And even when we do lose the clearances, we're not conceding uh, big uh, you know, scores like we did last year. I think we'll uh, dead last in both those areas last year. So, yeah, there's, there's been a lot of improvement in that area. And you could be right. If there's going to be rain, then the midfield battle will be crucial because uh, it's all about, uh, you know, uh, gaining territory at the end of the day, isn't it, uh, if there is a fair bit of rain. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and then you look, you know, we get the ball going forward. Um, Zerha can be dangerous in any situation. Um, and and then from there, you're just going to have to look at who, who's going to step up small forward capacity. That's where I was a little bit surprised in, in um, you know, Paul Curtis going out. Um, I think there's an opportunity there for him, particularly with his physical to stand up in that area. So, it's going to be interesting to see, um, and I hope that coach on putting a lot of pressure on our uh, small fall, not only kicking goals but locking the ball inside inside uh, forward fifty and make it hard for the opposition to get out. Yeah, it probably puts a little bit of pressure on like Curtis Taylor and Jaden Stevenson to play that sort of role, uh, putting a lot of pressure in the foot, uh, forward 50 and keep like, trying to lock the ball in there and play a forward half game. So, yeah, in saying all that, Troy, what's your final prediction for the game? I think it's going to be a really tough game. I think Brisbane, um, it's, it's going to come down to the midfield battle, um, to be honest, and uh, it's going to be interesting to see how we go there. Um, Naturally, any time you're going to ask me that question, mate, I'm going to tell you we're going to win. So, um, so yeah, it's it's going to be tough, but I'd like to uh, going to win. I will say we're going to win. Uh, it's going to be really tough. What's your margin? Ten goals. <laughs> I think I said four goals against Hawthorne, and that sort of bit me in the bum. So. Um, one point will do me uh, this time, so just get that four points to be be nice. And I think in Adelaide with a four point win uh, over the Lions, um, it's, it's going to be really fantastic for, for the club. Going, uh, we'll just take it from there. Yeah, 100%. I don't know if my heart can take many more of these close games, though, if we do get another one-point win. But, um, yeah, oh, look, I'll definitely take it if it did happen. So, yeah, it builds character. Uh, well, Troy, you want to add anything else before I let you go? Um, no, look, I think we've covered a fair bit. I, I, you know, I try to say to you, man, I hope I don't waffle on too much. And um, no, I do enjoy our chat. So we'll just uh, leave it at that this week. And hopefully uh, next time um, you have me on, you know, we can be in the in the positives in the win loss record. It'll be be a good thing to see. Oh, 100%. No, that'll be fantastic to see. Well, thank you so much for coming on and chatting all things North Melbourne, Troy. Uh, loving your work and go Roos. Yeah, thanks, Dean. Have- so thank you very much to Troy Makepeace for coming on the show once again. Apologies for the audio. We did have uh, a few problems. Um, I did have to do a bit of editing tonight, hence why the podcast has come out so late. Um, we were cutting it a, bit, a little bit in and out, uh, and you could sort of sense that it was breaking up a bit. But I still hope that all you live listeners got uh, good content out of it. 
Um, and yeah, thank you very much to Troy uh, Makepeace for coming on the show once again. So that's it for this week. Uh, I don't know if I'll be doing a Sunday morning hangover. I am away this weekend. I'll probably miss the first quarter of the game coming up. Uh, I do have a golf trip weekend out in the country, Victoria. So yeah, apologies um, if I don't do a Sunday morning hangover, but I will be back Monday uh, evening uh, to talk with the boys and get a more in-depth um analysis of the game so yeah look out for that um please subscribe uh, to the show it comes automatically in feed whatever podcast platform you use so yeah no do that it's a lot easier um you'll know when the uh, shows come out uh it's yeah, a lot easier to track uh but once again thanks to all you lovely listeners for all the likes retweets comments you lovely listeners put out uh for the show i did do a monday show with the boys uh frank and uh jesse so it's not too late to check that out uh wednesday i did uh a show with um in the afternoon i did one with ravishing ricky mangides so check that out and last night i had the you know lovely ladies in marnie cohen and siobhan Rowe uh to talk uh all things north melbourne as well plus tonight with a troy makepiece so plenty of content uh go through them all um smash them out and yeah if you are a first time listener yeah um please uh subscribe um like rate review do all those fun things that helps the show out Uh, Anyways, that's it for this evening. So tonight, I will leave a shout-out to Paul at P. Car Burns. Bye for now, and go Roos.